For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Watson. Looking for room to run and throws toward the end zone. It is caught for a touchdown. Randall Cobb. And that, of course, was Deshaun Watson. He's getting his game back on. He's going to be in the saddle when the Steelers take on the dastardly Browns this weekend. One o'clock, Acrisure Stadium. But before we go there, Max, I got to ask you something. Because this came up in a podcast that my brothers and I do last night. That was with Ronnie and Dale. And it was the three wolves of football. And we were discussing some of the worst films we've ever seen. And I have to say that the worst film I've ever seen was The Sword of the Barbarians that came out in 1982. It was like a wannabe Conan-esque type film that came out right around it. I've never seen anything this hideous before. I believe it was an Italian movie, too. Um, can I, I only can tell you this. There was a scene where the barbarian guy with the sword was riding a horse, and it was filmed from, like, the back end of a pickup, right? You know, so you're filming it? <laughs> yeah. All right, so you can yeah. see it. You got this guy, and he's wearing medieval times stuff, okay? And he's riding. Yeah. He's got his sword. And all of a sudden, you see tire tracks where <laughs> whatever, whoever's filming this thing is riding the back end of a pickup, and it's on the ground. It's the guy's drive. This is supposed <laughs> oh, to be God. thousands of years before there's any sort of, any sort of you know, uh, cars or anything. So that was one scene. Then the coup de gras comes later in the movie when this guy falls into a quote-unquote river that is barely four inches deep, and he's acting like he's in grade five uh, whitewater rapids, and he's rolling over and screaming, and he's barely getting wet. And you're like, but this is supposed to be serious. Like, this guy's really in trouble going down the Colorado River or the Niagara Falls River plunging towards some sort of waterfalls and this guy is barely getting wet it was just terrible <laughs> <laughs> that, that, i mean but 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 welcome to the 80s yeah, or the, yeah. Was it the, the no it was 82 80s? it came out in 82 oh yeah exactly welcome to the 80s then perfect oh. i mean as long as the guy had perfectly feathered hair it really didn't matter <laughs> <laughs> I would have fit in well back then. Wait a second. There were yeah, yes, exactly. Wes, right. Wes, you, you would have you would have made a killing. All right. So each one of you got to give me your worst movies you've ever seen. Go ahead, Max. Oh man. Okay. Oh gosh, man. This, this is a tough one because I've seen I've seen some because I love movies, Wolf. 
Oh, so I know. I've seen, I love them, too. I've, seen some, I've tolerated some doozies. Right. Um, gosh, I mean, I would probably... God, it's like I, I, it also is like PTSD. Like I put them out of my head. Uh, <laughs> All right, let, let Max. Or what, let, what, let, what, 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 yeah, Wes, you go first. Okay. Wes, you go first. Okay, I'll buy. I'll buy. I'll buy some time here for uh, for Maximus. Listen, I'm I'm like Max too. I mean, there's there's some really bad movies out there. There just are. For for every great movie, there's about as bad of a movie. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of remakes of movies that mm-hmm. came to my mind at first. A couple of, uh, and I don't want to offend anybody here, but I might. I don't even know if this will make Max mad or if he'll be on my side. A couple of the DC movies, like the DC Batman, Batman vs. Superman, some of those movies yes. I thought were terrible. But for me, gentlemen, the coup de grace, the worst movie that I have ever seen, and I should preface this by saying that I love mob movies, okay? Okay. Like Goodfellas, The Departed, Donnie Brasco, those are some of my favorite movies of all time. With that in mind, a movie that I was very excited for came out like five or six years ago. It was with John Travolta. It was called Gotti, and it was about the Gotti family and, and, and John Gotti, who were one of the uh, you know big crime players in New York City in the time where the mafia kind of ran that city. I'm thinking, all right, it's yeah. about it's about young John Gotti and the Gambino crime family. It's rated R, which is always a good sign that it's going to be gory and not kind of you know too uh, too PG thirteen to try and attract a bigger crowd. Um, Travolta, Gotti, mob movie. I was all excited. It's horrible. It's terrible. (laughs) You'll fall asleep watching it for a mob movie. It's so bad. I don't know what John Travolta was thinking. Very good actor, right? He's just not good in this movie. The script is slow and not entertaining. It's just I had such high hopes for this movie, and it's, you know, I'd put it on if I wanted to take a nap later this afternoon. (laughs) That's the answer for me. Yeah. Gotti starring John Travolta oh, that came that out. I would say like one. 18 or 19 was when that came out. Probably about five, six years ago. Okay. Yeah, that one's pretty bad. You know which one I'm going to have to go with? And I, I, I Listen, listen. I, I love a good animal killer film. You know what I'm saying? Like an animal that just goes after you, go, goes rogue. Um, you know, I was a Jaws kid okay. um, yep. growing up. I loved Jaws. And then I used to go to Universal Studios, and the Jaws ride was always one I looked forward to mm. going to as a kid. Obviously, now I see it. I'm just like, this is terrible. But um, <laughs> Jaws the Revenge yes. would probably, yes. as I'm thinking about it, it was late 80s. I want to say like 87, 88. Was that Dennis and, Quaid? Was he in that? Um, I don't think Dennis okay. Quaid was right, in that one. Um, but it was just absolutely god awful because it was like the same thing over and over again, and and I was just like, are we seriously trying to 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 like drum this back up again? And it like like how does Jaws got blown up with an electrical cord that he put between his mouth? Right, like, right, right. Really, yep. you know what I'm saying? I'm like, how do you bring back this killer shark? And it was just it was one of those things like you did. There was no tension. There was no there was no suspense in it. Like, everything was, like, kind of predictable. And I was like, I guess because y'all built this mechanical shark, y'all got to get the most money out of it type of deal. But it was it was absolutely god-awful. It was one of those where I think at one point I even saw, like, the motor out of his gill. I don't even know. Um, but, yeah, that, that would probably be one of the worst ones that, I, that I've seen. 
that, that I can remember. Like, because there, there have been some other ones. Like, that Gotti was terrible. Wes, as you were talking about, I'm like, man, I put that out of my head because it was just so There's bad. There's some that you of, forget. Yeah, you black them out. <laughs> yeah, like, like you say, Goodfellas, Casino, like all these other great mob movies, even Hoodlum. Yep. With Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, like, there's so many good gangster movies, and then you did that, and it's like, John Travolta, how hard up for money were you, bud? As, you right, and especially, too, Max, I don't know if you see, like, HBO did, like, a TV movie gaudy in the 90s, and it was great. Yeah. It was great. Like, it was shorter, you know, it wasn't as crazy produced or anything, but it was fantastic if you're into the mob history. And so I thought, okay, this is going to take that, and it's going to take it to the next level. No, what it did was it took it and it dumped on it is what it did. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Hey, you know what? Speaking of bad movies, Mario Van Peebles. You know, I just thought about that. Ooh. He was in Jaws the Revenge. Okay. And then he and then also the last Highlander. Highlander, Last Dimension. Yeah. Like that that was another he was a terrible character. Yeah. Right? I mean wasn't so there there's been a couple of Mario Van Peebles movies that I could throw up there in the in the in the bad. Solo was another one where he was well, like a cyborg like soldier. Ridge? That wasn't too great either. Yeah. I liked the movie Heartbreak yeah. Ridge. It's just yeah. he just played kind of a goofy character in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I want to be rock star army guy. I don't know. That just kind of didn't really work. Yeah, did didn't really work. No, oh. no, no. I, I agree with that as well. Max, I got another one to run by you. Oh, okay. Spider Man Three. Oh yeah, God. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> Toby McGuire trying to be like a bad guy, with that, <laughs> or with like the, cool, with the emo, or like cool. with the emo black hair. Yeah. Yeah, the emo swoop over, like yeah, that was that. That actually, you know what? That actually might have been one of the worst. Oh, so bad. Marvel the related. Two, the first comic two were really movies. good, right? And then the they third were one good. Was terrible. Yeah, I was like, I was like, boy, I feel bad for Kirsten Dunst because that that movie might have single handedly killed her Marvel career. <laughs> you know, um, and that one. You know what's so funny is I have a buddy of mine who was in the FBI. He was a chopper pilot, right? So he used yeah. to fly Sammy Gravano, Sammy the Bull Gravano, who was the Gotti's guy, yeah. right? Used to fly him into Manhattan in the courtroom from federal prison where he was at and then testify against Gotti, right? So one time they're flying over the Meadowlands. And back in the day, we all used to think that, you know, you used to think uh, what the um, who's the guy that uh, that disappeared, the, the – uh, Union boss. Oh, uh, Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. yeah. Everyone said Jimmy Hoffa was buried in the end zone underneath, you know, in the Meadowlands. Yeah. So he's <laughs> flying over that. He turns a switch on, and you got headsets in a chopper, right? And it's him and Sammy Gravano are on the same channel. He goes, Sammy, it's just you and me. He goes, so I want to know. He goes, is is is, uh, is Hoffa buried under there? <laughs> and Gravano goes, you're going to have to wait and buy the book, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> So, that's my only Sammy Gravano slash Gotti story, but I was. Hey, that's of, a good one. Yeah, though. That's, was, that's a, and you and you got a firsthand account on top of that. Yes, just exactly. So you'll have to wait and buy the book. I love it. All right. Yeah. So we got the movies. We we went through the movies. They're all there. There's a lot of bad ones out there, but for me, that's sort of the barbarian. When you saw the tire tracks, it's just like okay. They they gave up. They they really yeah. they, weren't, they weren't serious about making a good movie. That's for no, sure. No, no. They were like, listen, this is a money grab. We're gonna play off of uh, you know, off of, off of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah. And that's we're just exactly gonna let it happen. It exactly yeah. so. All right, so you exactly. got you got Deshaun Watson coming back, and he is probably that was last week's game was his best performance thus far in the comeback tour. Uh, he threw three touchdown passes. He was nine of eighteen for like a buck sixty something and change. 
Um, what do you what do you see thus far? What do you think and thus far as you view the work of uh, Deshaun Watson? Rust. Yeah. yeah. Lots and lots of rust. Like it's not like not even close. I mean, I, I get why you need to do it right. You need to get him accustomed to the game before next year. And I think the way that the Browns kind of looked at this, they kind of figured this. This is actually like probably one of their better case scenarios for Deshaun Watson actually getting to play this season at some point. But also in that aftermath, you realize this dude has zero rapport with his with, with his with his receivers. He's working on that timing. You see it happening throughout the game. I mean, you know, just looking at last week's game, I mean, yes, you played the commanders, but it was because of Nick Chubb. It was not because of Deshaun Watson. He's not really running, so they're trying to keep him healthy right. um, and keep him in the pocket. And so, I mean, it's just – it's a shell of the team. I mean, honestly, they would probably be a playoff contending team if Jacoby Brissett stayed in there. Mm. Um, but you paid $230 million for Deshaun Watson, so and you weathered the storm of everything that came with Deshaun right. Watson. So you got to get some payoff uh, fr- fr- from that investment. And I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think I think he has the potential to be uh, good. Like next year, he's going to be a problem. But for this year's purposes, no, I, 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 it's I've seen a lot better, and I would I would have expected a lot better from the Browns, um, like from that Thursday night game that we played against them. Exactly. So you know, you think about it. They've what three times the Steelers were scheduled to play Deshaun Watson. One was, of course, um, he was on the IR. Uh, then another, of course, when uh, he was uh, suspended. But now uh, there was one time back in 2020, um, they beat Houston. He was in Houston. Uh, Steelers beat the you know uh, Houston 28-21, and Watson was 19 at 27 for 264, two TDs, one INT, and an 84.5 rating. But he was sacked five times and only rushed once for five yards. So that was back then. That was, uh, you know, three years ago, two years ago, whatever. I, you know, my math is always a suspect. But no, <laughs> no, say it is so. That's whoa. why I had to play offensive line because you only got to count to three, baby. You know, that's all. Uh, hey, hey, we 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 are, we are we are the most studious of all of the positions, right? But math let's, let's, is let's just not, not necessarily my bag. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I, I will. I will concur with that one. It's all good. It's, <laughs> it's all good. good. But yeah, exactly. So he's capable of some some good numbers. But like you said, it seems like rust is a big, big part of what's going on with him right now. Yeah, it, it is, and and I think that's the one thing where I guess if they actually relied on Nick Chubb, which hopefully no Browns fans are listening to this. Yeah, right. They would they would probably be in a lot better position and probably be more successful, but Kevin Stefanski, I mean, yes. I got, you know, he just he won't do it. He will not let Nick Chubb for whatever reason take over a game. And that's where I always get, you know, kind of worried about it, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like seriously, I'm like I'm like the the, the the, the the recipe is simple. It's a very simple recipe. It's like hand the ball to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, play action pass off of that yep. to David Njoku and Donovan People-Jones and go there. Like you would have a good string of success. And it's like, nope, 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 we're good. 
<laughs> Nothing to see here. We're a <laughs> passing, high-flying offense. It's like, nah, no, you're not. <laughs> but, but hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate that that faith. Keep that energy. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, if that's what you're going to believe, hey, I, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it because I know – you know what that means? That means that we're in a good place, <laughs> that we yes. have a good probability of winning because when we look at that Thursday night game, that was that was the case, right? They, 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 wanted, they wanted Nick Chubb to be one of the focal points. Nick Chubb had a heck of a game against us, and he was a guy that was, was a challenge. You know, he was a challenge to stop. We still did – we were still reeling from, you know, losing TJ and trying to figure out what type of defense we were going to be so we weren't very good against the run. So they caught us at the perfect moment. But now you look at the team now at this point in the year with the strong – uh, defense that we have and what they've done the last couple of weeks, um, I think has just spoken to a testament that we're ready for Nick Chubb and we're also ready for Rusty Deshaun Watson. And hopefully hopefully he, he has padding on his back because he's going to get put there a couple times uh, in this game on Sunday. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I hope it all manifests itself such as you just put out there because – um, there's there's just a lot of good stuff that I think can happen defensively if if uh, the folks at Acrisure uh, engage in some good vocalization. You know, I mean, something along the lines of some Yeti screaming in the middle of a forest somewhere. You know, <laughs> did you ever hear those vocalizations? <laughs> you know, I wonder who's really doing it. You know, on some of those channels, they got, oh, you know, in Hunt of the, the Yeti, you know, and then you have these yeah. – vocalizations they they capture on some horrible sort of, yeah they're horrible they're like to yeah. me come on somebody's out there howling you know yeah exactly it's like who gave who gave who gave pap pap uh too too much of that applejack you know what i'm saying that smoky mountain <laughs> applejack that's essentially what it sounds like exactly. he's been working on this new call <laughs> that he wanted to try out Let's record it. <laughs> Let's record it. And then maybe we can sell it to one of them there, you know, sp- yeah, TV then, things that think it's one of them Sasquatches, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the, like, then they play it. They're like, hey, what, how, how does this sound, you know, on this new bird call? Well, it sounds like Sasquatch. Really? <laughs> All right. <laughs> call one of them UFO companies and see if they'll take it. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. All right, my oh, good man. We better yeah. go. Yep, all right. End of the first segment. We are powering through the power hour here. Uh, Bad movies, bad Yeti calls. We got it all here in the locker room. Wolf and Starks here on SNR ESPN Radio. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they hand it off out of that set and they find a crack off the right side and that is Chubb. And he starts and puts it in high gear at the 35, the 30, the 25, the 20, the 15, the 10. Ah, he's about two yards short of the 10. Down at the 12-yard line by Terrell Edmonds. He found that crack off that right side of the Cleveland offensive line. Wow. That's what Nick Chubb does. They've got to make sure that everybody is playing their gaps because this guy here, you're talking about almost 1,500 yards rushing, almost five yards a carry. 
12 TDs, which matches Chubb's high already of it. He's got 13 runs of at least 20 yards max. This guy is not to be overlooked at all, and I, I'm certain there's nobody that overlooks Nick Chubb, but he runs behind an awfully powerful offensive line as well. Yep, he runs behind the big the big butt guts, as your brother would call it. <laughs> um, yes. And it's a formidable crew. Um, they, they are built for that purpose, and that's one of the things. You have to take that element out of it. And the, how do you take that element out of it? Score points. Yes. Score points, and you take them out of the rush game. And nobody quicker to jump out of a run game than Kevin Stefanski um, in those <laughs> moments. So – why not? Why not utilize something that they usually have as a challenge to themselves? Why not use that in your favor? You know, I think that's kind of one of the things that I look at is you've got to be able to score first, which obviously you talked about it. When we score first, we don't lose. Right. So it's the, the biggest thing about getting on top of scoring early, not getting behind, um, and making sure that you put the pressure on that offense to 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 change, to shift, to morph into this passing, got to catch up type of offensive mindset that they get in so frequently um, just to change it up. So, therefore, Nick Chubb is not as big a factor. And that's one of the things I think that as we kind of look at this progress, I think this is probably that coming out party. Uh, for Kenny Pickett where he'll have an opportunity to really put himself on display um, right. with the passing game. And hopefully hopefully this will be the week, Wolf. I'm calling it now. Okay, let's hear it. Manifesting it now. Deontay Johnson gets a receiving touchdown. Oh, I'm we, putting we it out there that. in the universe. Yes, yes. We need it. He has, he has stepped up big this season. He has grown. And he deserves – a receiving touchdown by before the end of the season. Come on, come on, just get the better, just get the better receiving touchdown. I am with you. You know, I feel like this is the game for that, and that's why I feel like you know, outside of us, you know, having to score, I think I think we score more than two touchdowns this game. I, I'm going to put that out there in the universe. All right, I think we actually have more than two touchdowns. You're going big. Go big or go I'm, home, baby. Li- listen, it's week 18. Hey, I can't ta- I can't take these thoughts with me into you know into the next season. That's right. So might as well burn them now. More you know? cowbell, baby. More cowbell. Yeah, yeah I need more <laughs> cowbell. So, so I think that. So the oh oh. I don't know. That, oh, that I have cool. no idea what happened there. How about that? You called Once for more again. cowbell, and the system went haywire. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Christopher that, Walken. That, I'm literally <laughs> yeah. sitting here listening to Max going, yeah, come on, Deontay. It's t- I touched nothing. I don't know what happened there. We got some ghosts yeah. in the system. Likely Once again, story. <laughs> the ninja, the, yeah, the ninjas need to be hard at work back there bashing off the other assassins. Um, no. They don't like apparently. Apparently, the radio guys don't like what I'm saying because they might be true. You know what I'm saying? So I'm gonna take that as a compliment, Wolf. I'm gonna take it as a compliment. I'm gonna run with it. But um, but no, I I think this is that moment when you're talking about culminating a season and what's on the line. I think the focus, the attention to detail, and given the circumstances of what this week has been emotionally for 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 the entire NFL world. Um, I think this is this is that kind of coup de gras moment where everything comes together, and I think none better to do it against than the Browns, right? Right. You know, I mean, 
if there's if there if there's a better team out there outside of the Ravens, which we we just did that to them last week, um, I don't know who it is. But the Browns, I feel like, are the recipients of the full fury of this Pittsburgh Steelers team, offensively and defensively. You know, this almost feels like they're peaking. You know, you take a look at over the last three, four games and so forth. Um, this The offensive line has been doing such a, a good job. Kenny Pickett coming along. Now you've got uh, Najee Harris doing some great work there in the running game. Defensively, things have started turning around. They're doing a better job. I think I don't think they've got more than 17 points in basically any of the last three, four games. Um, this is, you know, and basically you're you're looking at really the, the Ravens. The Ravens and the Browns are very similar right now. I mean, you've got a quarterback that's not really playing at at a level that he's that you know him to be. The Ravens, of course, didn't have Lamar Jackson. They both have great rushing attacks, and I've certainly Nick Chubb is more of a threat than J.K. Dobbins, though J.K. Dobbins is very good. Um, they both have good offensive lines, big, powerful offensive lines. I would expect to see probably similar stuff. The only thing is Deshaun is capable. He's de- he's capable with those, you know, the eight-man box. He's still capable of doing what he needs to do with the ball to get it down the field. Yeah, no, he, he not, we're, and we're not questioning his ability to – it's 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 more so his his no it it is his ability to right now. Um, I I tried to come up with something like oh you know it's like, maybe it's just the mentality it's the skill no no well he's no, only he thrown six point two I mean that down the field that's not far that's not no that is not you know we can do six point two Wolf yeah yeah so that just goes to show you how safe they're playing it right right yes. I think that's kind of where it is, is that, you know, they're playing very close to the vest, safe offense, get him out of the game. Cause like you cause like we said, there, there isn't, there isn't any thing to play for mm-hmm. as far as outside of just the season. Like that's, that's all you have to play for at this moment. So it's just to finish out 17 games that were on the schedule. Yeah. So they're going to be very cautious not very optimistic as far as how – now, granted, this is the Steelers, and you would love to have a season sweep on us. But at the same time, I feel like they're, they're, they're at a very cautious, we're not going to risk injury this late in the year. Business and decision think, time. <laughs> oh, yes, very much Somebody so. Somebody pitched Bus- to Johnny there. Yeah, exactly. And Johnny was ready, swung it out the park. Um, but I, I think that, that that's where we're at. I think I think it's literally – one of those things where you're saying, okay, we uh, we're just trying to get through this season, get some good, get some good stuff on tape, right? You know, get 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 some stuff we can coach up in the off season, but it's not it's not going to be overly aggressive. I don't I don't believe it'll be overly aggressive this weekend. Um, they'll they'll hope and wish for things to come out really good in moments, but at the same time, I don't see them pressing the issue. The only other thing is they've got two very good wide receivers that, um, you know, that the, I think the Ravens were lacking. You know what I mean? With Amari Cooper. Yeah. Donovan Peoples-Jones has really come up yeah. through the ranks for a guy that uh, was a lower-round draft pick, I think he was. Um, he's, 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 he's shining, man. He's got almost 60 catches for almost 800 yards. That's uh, pretty impressive. And he can fly. That's yeah. the other thing. I yes. mean, he 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 can run. 
So, I mean, it'll be a good challenge. I think they'll, you know, I think they'll take a couple of shots downfield. I would expect, just to, yeah. Ju ju just to test our defense. But, I mean, as far as the game plan, I mean, what you saw with them was, um, you know, was a lot with how, you know, David Njoku was utilized a lot in the middle of the field, Harrison Bryant, mm -hmm. right? It was a lot of your 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 kind of possession guys in the middle of the field, tight end play, and then you set up those bigger plays. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't see the rhythm there with Amari Cooper. I think there's a potential for that rhythm to be yes. there. But once again, I think it takes a little bit more time, and, and they just don't have it, and his, his availability kind of hampered that. There's there's a number of overthrows, underthrows that you see. You know what I mean? When you put the tape on yeah. and you watch Deshaun, and again, it, it harkens back to the fact that he's really knocking off two years of ring rust. Uh, you just you simply can't replicate that in any way, shape, or form in practice. And certainly uh, he was not practicing much in the last two years. So uh, you look at this and you think, um, okay, uh, the, the guy obviously is a great talent. He's obviously – one that's capable of bringing a lot of a lot of uh, offense to an already established offense, but it's not happening right now that I see it. No, you're absolutely right. It's just it's not manifesting itself in what you believe his skill set to be, and what the Browns, you know, went and mortgaged the future on yeah. was not what you're getting right now. But they also didn't plan for this to be this year. They plan for this to be a long-term solution at the quarterback position. Um, that's why you move on from Baker Mayfield. That's why you go out and you get – because, I mean, let's face it, Deshaun Watson is a talent on the field. Right. What he was able to do with the Houston Texans, given, you know, some of the lack of resources and the trading away of, of, of resources, um, thinking that, you know, Bill O'Brien was a genius as GM and head coach, and that's why, you know, you have individual people who run those things. The more you do it yourself and try and wear more hats, the more things kind of slip through the cracks. You know, whereas you have more people there, you fortify that, and there's less room for it. But, you know, he's a guy that has that skill, and we'll see if mentally he can get back into it. Because um, I have to also believe there, there's still some mental stuff there. Mm -hmm. as well for him that he's going to have to deal with. And the further he gets away from it, maybe the more you get that football player back in there. But, you know, it, it's still a lot to deal with, a lot to deal with. And I just I just don't think this is the year for it. I think next year is going to be a heck of a challenge. Right, and right. And we're going we're, we're, we're to have some good battles co coming in the future with the way this AFC North division and quarterbacks are set up. I mean, you just think about Joe Burrow. Lamar Jackson, whatever his fate will be with the Baltimore Ravens, and then you add Deshaun Watson, this is going to make for a very, very tough division. And teams aren't going to want to see us on their schedules. Hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. They'll be like, ah, yeah. we got to go where? Yeah. Uh, AFC North this season. No, no. Can we trade for the AFC South? I would really like the AFC South. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Browns... Or the NFC South. I don't know. Yeah. Either one. But the Browns have the sixth-ranked rush attack, and Kareem Hunt doesn't seem to be quite the Kareem Hunt that I remember. Uh, but he's still he's knocking off three point eight. He's still get rushed for four hundred and fifty-five yards, I believe it is. Um, again, it's not Nick Chubb, but the the one-two bang, you know. And again, that's very reminiscent now of what we've got with Najee and with Jalen Warren. So 
I don't know. This is going to be. This could well be a very fast game come Sunday. Hey, li- listen. I'm all about fast games. Uh, <laughs> the way the way my flights are set up, uh, I really appreciate a uh, not prolonged game. <laughs> Especially when your buddy takes you and the long way around where where bridges are yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, li- listen. We got we got to see that there's actually farmland in 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 Western PA in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I mean, that's all. That's all. That's all. Listen, we were, we were trying to figure out where the milk was made. That's all it was. <laughs> you hear about all these farms. You hear about local. We found all the local. We visited you know, them. Yeah, yeah, we did. We, we, know, we know where everything is sourced <laughs> in the organic section at, uh, at Taj Eagle. <laughs> Taj Eagle. There you go, baby. I was just telling people there Tuesday night when I was there with Fryermuth. I said, but as Max calls it, it's the Taj Eagle. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, it, li- listen, because it's the lo- it was a, at the time the largest grocery store I'd ever been in, and right. when that thing came in, it was a huge deal, and it lived up to its name. They got you everything know? in there. Yeah, they do. They do. They have everything, and you know, I- I'm a big soup guy. You oh know? yeah. And they they have a variety of soups there that made me excited. What about so, on the south side? They they're like soup Nazis from Seinfeld there. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, oh, they man. Are. Those guys down there on the south side, they made, oh, they had, um, was it gnocchi chicken soup? Oh, ho, ho, wow. Wow. Is that good? I have, I have not had that oh, one. Oh, my goodness. Delicious. That is, oh, that's just sensational. Let me tell you. That soup, okay. those guys, they, they soup it up better than anybody I know. Okay, well, then next time I got to go on the south side and have some of this. Some of this amazing soup. Although, this although is, I'll give you this too. Remember Miss Betty from you know Adana well, Akersher and the chicken that, soup that, that, that oh she that's makes special. that chicken soup. That, that's all. Yeah, I know. I'm still waiting for that chicken soup. Oh, Even though right. I go for the soup every time we're in the press box, though. Yeah, I do go for the soup. We yep. had Italian wedding. What was that? La- uh, I was going right to say that Christmas Eve wedding soup was hitting. Oh yeah. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I went back for seconds in my cup. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Um, so I can't wait to see what delicacy we have this weekend. And there was a chicken soup, and Miss Betty was like, "I didn't make that. I, was <laughs> like, I figured, Miss Betty, but yeah. I still need your soup." <laughs> and uh, my buddy TJ, TJ Hess, uh, one of my good buddies, he works. He well, he he, he was a longtime DJ in Pittsburgh. Okay, and still is, but um, he works on the NFL uh, sound. Okay, so you know, like the the mic'd up stuff for the padding. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife Charity, she makes a heck of a chicken soup. And so mm. that's one I was supposed to, I was supposed to go meet up with them to have some of it. So hopefully I get some of that too. Ooh. I mean, listen, homemade, homemade soups are the best soups. They are. But if you're going to go to a place to get it, you know, there, there are, there are some good, good options, you know, cause I'm still learning how to make soups. I, I can make a pretty good chicken soup, Really? but uh, I, didn't I know need you to, were I need to like expand a... my horizon. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a cooker. I'm not, I'm not a chef. I'm a cooker. I just, I'm, I just neither. I'm just a consumer. Well, once again, that that but but that's that's a good sign too because you can let me know if it's good or bad. Oh, you know we need consumers ha- in this always world. Always glad to help out. <laughs> yes, I appreciate it. All right, well we're gonna step aside. I'm not making soup during the break, but uh, we're gonna come back for the bell lap of this show uh, and and put a bow on today's show as far as wrapping up with the Browns and of course we'll go into full breakdown by position groups tomorrow in the show. You are in the locker room with Wolf and Starks here on ESPN and SNR Radio.
is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Really some remarkable updates and I would say overwhelming positivity talking to people, talk to people close to DeMar Hamlin and there's several things that stand out to me. Uh, First of all, as you mentioned, he opened his eyes last night, uh, which had to be just really an incredible moment uh, considering that all that he has been through, that all that the family has been through, all the people close to him have been through. Just he, uh, hearing and seeing him open his eyes, amazing. Uh, he has been responsive, which is also extremely positive, neurologically intact is how the bills refer to him. And he also has been gripping the hands of those close to him in the hospital, a sign for them that he acknowledges them, recognizes that they are there uh, and are meaningful to him. Put that all together, and it's, it's really hard to imagine Andrew coming out with with better news than, than this. Uh, the other thing that stands out to me is they are endlessly appreciative of all of the incredible medical help that they got on the field, uh, The uh, how basically just how fast it was, the immediacy of CPR for nine minutes, uh, the care at the hospital, it has all essentially saved DeMar Hamlin's life, and for him to be where he is now is just truly amazing. And, of course, that's Ian Rappaport reporting for the NFL Network about 30 minutes ago, and there's some good news, and you just praise God almighty for any good news concerning DeMar Hamlin. And the fact is, this is right now, it's just terrific to know that he has had been somewhat responsive. I don't know all the the ins and outs of it and don't want to overstep anything here, but it sounds positive to me and nature, Max, as, as we move forward here. That is humongous, Wolf. I mean, you know, think about, you know, the mortality rate when somebody has been mm. either A, under that much CPR, um, right. resuscitated back to life, that long on a ventilator, and for 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 him to have this type of result and for there to really be tangible success, I mean, you, you can't ask for anything better than that, man. That is that is purely, like you said, it's God's will. It's God's will in that moment, and God has just been absolutely tremendous working uh, and, and protecting uh, DeMar and Amen. keeping him in a blessed position. I, I, I just I can't say enough because when you talk to, you know, and everybody becomes a uh, – Everybody becomes a social media doctor, right, after, right, after a tra- right. traumatic uh, public event. But, you know, I, I rely on connections and conversations and, you know, talking with different individuals in the medical field, what those what those percentages look like, what the survivability or, you know, and and mortality rates are for him to come out. That, that that's t- that's touched. He is touched by God, something something above us. And and that is truly a blessing, and for him to open his eyes after all that he's been through, yeah, um, magnificent. And if miraculous. he was able, as he said, to squeeze the hand, oh my heavens! I mean, it just it gives you chills. And one yeah. hero, and this is from Albert Breer, who also I think he's an NFL Network guy, but uh, one guy that uh, they they really want to recognize was the work of Bill's assistant athletic trainer Denny Kellington. He's the guy that was administering the CPR to De- uh, Damar Hamlin, um, and they talk about his work was absolutely vital and absolutely no questions asked. I mean, that's just that's tremendous, and uh, it's 
you look at that and you, you think about uh, the, the quick response of those people, the athletic trainers, the, the EMTs and, and everybody there, just outstanding work. And it real bo- really boils down to, I didn't understand, but the NFL conducts, um, what is it, uh, the one-hour out meeting or something like that, an hour before kickoff. They go over all the yeah, possibilities. 90-minute. 90-minute, 90 90 okay. 90-minute no, meeting. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I, as usual, I got the math wrong. <laughs> It's all good, and that's why I'm here. That's, that's why right. I'm here. You're Wolf. my fact checker, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just the accountability officer. That's but, all know, it is. Think yeah. about that. They do that in every stadium every Sunday, you know, or every game, uh, they, where they go over the procedure, who's going to administer CPR, who's going to administer a defibrillator, who's going to drive the, the, the ambulance. I mean, all this is laid out, and they go over it again, yet again, uh, 90 minutes out from kickoff, and it shows the NFL's, um, you know, their their uh, desire to make sure you got everything buttoned down, dotting the I's, crossing the T's for stuff like this. So kudos to him. To, kudos to Denny Kellington because there's a name that you want to remember, that guy there. That's a great job he did in Cincy the other night. Well, and, and on top of that, Wolf, I mean, I think also just imagine the amount of relief oh. – um for you know and you know you never want to put it on one guy or anything right imagine the sense of relief that um that t higgins has to have oh right yeah i mean because i you know that's something i think we kind of overlooked in in a lot of these situations was man how does t higgins respond to something like this you know as a player like you you didn't intend for it to happen but it happened nonetheless right so how does he deal with that mental that mental capacity of it so I, I i'm like man you know you gotta you gotta think about him as well and and i'm just happy that that he was able you know he's now could take can finally take a breath as yes. well in that situation amen to that knowing that demar's on the other side of this beautiful all right my so, friend yeah. it is that all right time. Let, it is that time of the broadcast this was the bell lap but once again don't forget If you missed any of our show, please feel free to go like, subscribe, wherever you get podcasts. If you don't have a place you get podcasts, you can always go to the Steelers mobile app or to the iHeartRadio app, and you can find In the Locker Room with us, but also a whole host of our shows. We got got the Blitz, uh, we have the Standard, and we also have today, which is Thursday, Stan Saverin, the Godfather, drops his podcast twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday. And if you missed on Tuesday... Johnny is available for the Steelers Week in Review with Wes Euler and, of course, the Mike Tomlin Game Day podcast hosted with Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. That is it for the day. We will come back tomorrow, same bat channel, same bat time, to deliver in the locker room. Have a great day, everyone.